open up your books, you bad apples. There you go. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Bad Apple Book Club podcast. Lucas Nord here. And I'm Cole Lang. And we're back to talk about our main boy, Edgar Allan Poe. Um, not only one of America's most renowned artists, but also probably the first person that comes to mind for any person that thinks of just like some old school, nasty, somewhat hard to read horror, which, um, I'll discuss that a little bit before I get to my story. But, um, did you have any thoughts on Poe? Did you maybe learn anything new about him from last week that you want to talk about or just any general thoughts that you had to get out before we got to rolling on Edgar Allan Poe part two? He, I didn't know the president part. Um, you know, he was president. He, yeah, he was. He was president of these United States. Ah, uh, um, no, but <laughs> him, uh, him trying to run for cabinet in uh, John Tyler's light or uh, administration. And um, we did find out that John Tyler was in fact a a president, and that was his name, John Tyler. But I had a little bit of a slip up. Uh, I said, oh, wasn't he Andrew Garfield's uh, VP? Andrew Garfield, that's that's Spider-Man in The Amazing Spider-Man. Oh, that is very funny. Did you mean to say Andrew Jackson? No, no, um, but it wasn't you meant, Garfield. You meant Garfield it, the it cat. It was the shortest lived president. He lived for a month. And then John Tyler, he he took over and uh, had a pretty meh, you know, you don't really know anything about John Tyler. So, um, yeah, he's just he's just there, it seems. Um, just but, a, just a footnote as far as presidents go. Yeah. Sorry, but just to be completely positive, it wasn't. Spider-Man and the Amazing Spider-Man and the Amazing Spider-Man 2. I just, I'm still confused. Different yeah. people, right? Yeah, different people. Oh, okay, good. Good, 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 good. Maybe subconsciously I want Spider-Man to be president. Um, and You know, the world would be better. We need an underdog okay, now, in there, you know? Now, see, I don't like to get too political. Because for one, it kind of anchors the show down if anyone was listening in five years. And hey, if you're listening to this five years from today, thank you. But um, I will say, if I'm thinking of one Spider-Man from the movies to run for president, I gotta go with the OG, Tobey Maguire. He was in all three of the Sam Raimi movies. Uh, Who could forget the first one with Willem Dafoe as the Green Goblin? And then the second one with Doc Ock. Didn't watch the third, to be honest. But, man, those first two are good. And um, Tobey Maguire really does play a nice, understated underdog of a Spider-Man, I think. Yeah. Yeah, a little bit of a bad boy. Maybe too much of a bad boy, you know? Interesting. Yeah, a little bit of a bad apple. Ooh, a little bit of a bad apple. Bad apple book club. Um... Honestly, that or uh, that animated one was so good, too. Into the Spider-Verse? Oh, yeah, that one's really good. That one Beautiful was really animation. good. So, yeah, yeah, oh, honestly. And maybe 
maybe the main kid in that one, Miles, uh, Miles, what's his face? He might be a good president too. I don't know. I'm just thinking of Spider-Man presidents now. You know what I mean? <laughs> That's not what we're here to talk about. Um, but another thing I had about Edgar Allan Poe, um, you know, we read the cask of Amontillado. So much, Who could forget it? so much wine talk, so much just, mm. uh, good taste stuff. And I, I tell you what, Lucas, I looked high and low here in, <sighs> in uh, my local uh, German stores and whatnot, and I could not find a Montiato. Oh, my uh, God. It's so not fair. I, I think I just got to go to Spain uh, when it's safe, of course. Um, yeah. Who knows when that will be. But, um, yeah, I did try some Spanish wine. I, it wasn't Come a Montiato, but, I mean, it... Maybe it was close, but that was pretty good. Pretty good. And, uh, you know, after that, I was like, you know, anyone could just lure me to the cellars at this point. You know, <laughs> if they said they had some uh, some red Spanish wine down there, I'd say, oh, shit. Well, I guess I got to go, guys. It's Anything been- for a nice vintage. <laughs> yeah. It's been a good life, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Um... But- how about you? Um, Was there anything with old Eddie Eddie uh, that you uh, thought was interesting or learned something new or just took away from your story, The Black Hat? The biggest thing that I meant to mention in last week's episode, but we kind of breezed over it, and by the time I thought of it, we were a little too far in, was a lot of people think that with the name Edgar Allan Poe, that he was just going by his full name as a pen name. Many people do it. They throw their middle name in there just for a little flavor or to stand out a little bit. But as we mentioned, I think his foster father's name was John Allen. So um, he was actually using his last name and his parents' last name at the same time, but just no hyphen or anything like that. So yeah, Edgar Allan Poe, not his middle name. Um... I just thought that was kind of interesting. It is. Yep, and old John Allen, what a complicated relationship that was. And the other thing, too, actually, that I touched on a little bit in my recording of reading The Black Cat that I meant to bring up was, it was kind of interesting how our unnamed narrator, which, wouldn't you know, seems like every story by Poe, is written from the perspective of an unnamed narrator, but um, he hanged his original cat, and then his original cat ended up getting him hanged. Uh, I meant to mention that very specific parallel, but we find out that after the police had found his wife's body, um, the guy was on death row and was going to be killed the day after he wrote his story, and it was only because the police heard the cat uh, screeching behind the walls. Um, you know, it would have been better to talk about then, but if you're listening to this podcast, for one, thank you so much. And for two, if you started on Edgar Allan Poe Part 2, if this is the first episode you're listening to, I mean, once again, thanks for listening, but that'd be kind of weird. You should at least listen to the first part, because we talked about some pretty gnarly stories, and we're going to talk about a couple more today. Oh, yeah, some good ones. Um, Absolutely. You know, Telltale Heart, I'm familiar with. Uh, 
but Fall of the House of Usher, it's one of his more popular ones. And let me tell you, I wasn't, like I said in the last episode, I wasn't one to uh, really dive outside of the high school readings you do. And I don't think we had Fall of the House of Usher. Uh, so that was a new story for me. And boy, is it fun. Yes, it is. Um, and that's actually one of the things that uh, I'll touch on a little bit before I actually get into reading mine, but I didn't want to be like a basic, I'm going to call it a poho, uh, <laughs> just reading, just reading like, you know, top three stories people think about from Poe, Telltale Heart, The Raven, probably honestly The Fall of the House of Usher or The Mask of the Red Death or whatever. He's got like a lot of very prolific ones and I'll talk a little bit about the original story I picked for this week um, before I actually talk about the Telltale Heart but man he's got some stuff that is just very tough to digest yeah yeah Um, I, I still don't think it's well since it's on a shorter realm too I don't, I don't think it's as bad as like our uh, Robert Stevenson or Henry James. Man. Uh, but We yeah. definitely did um, Jekyll and Hyde and the Turn of the Screw back-to-back, and I have, without a doubt, never had so much trouble reading for, like, two months straight. <laughs> yeah. But, oh, man. But like you said, we're, uh, we're two po-hos. We'll, uh, I, I'd twerk for uh, old Eddie there. You know, Any day of the week. Yep. Yep. Yep, I stand. I stand, Edgar. Oh yeah. Yep, 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 yep. All right. Even if he did marry his thirteen-year-old cousin. Oh. Which uh, who was it actually? Uh, someone was telling me that right when they listened to that episode, they immediately thought of a rock star who I believe is still kicking. And they're like, oh, yeah, right when you talked about Paul marrying his 13-year-old cousin, I thought of this famous guy who married his cousin, too. And I was like, ah, so people are still doing that, huh? That's uh, interesting. I don't know, man. <laughs> Is it right? <laughs> there's When you think about it, there's a lot, uh, like statistically, there's a lot more people outside of the dating pool that are not related to you. Or yeah. in the dating pool, should I say? There's it's like a, we gotta talk to these people and say, uh, it's it's this little <laughs> saying I made up, and it's called "There's a million fish in the sea." Yeah, honestly, it's <laughs> like, do not marry your cousin. Yeah, but now that we got that out of the way, unless you had anything else you wanted to say, I just am excited to hear you and your thoughts on. The fall of the House of Usher. Oh, yeah. And according to some critics, it might get a little incestuous and full of incest. So, ah, a little bit of the a little bit of the author's life bleeding over into the story. Really inspired here. Um, Mm. Yeah. Wow. (laughs) It just makes you think. Yeah. Yeah. So. My pick is the fall of the House of Usher, and so it opens up with our nameless narrator. Once again, this is just a Edgar Allan Poe, uh, I guess you could say like motif, uh, or a reoccurring thing in his stories. 
as we've mentioned. at this point i just assume that every unnamed narrator is the same guy yeah it's just the <laughs> same just dude leads. going through all these horrors <laughs> yeah he he leads a very twisted existence yeah he he's a uh, bad luck brian you know that's that's yep. who he is <laughs> nothing but bad luck <laughs> yep. a little bit of a throwback there um who could forget it yep oh man yep it, i wish i could yep <laughs> <laughs> yeah it definitely peaked in our high school days oh man it, it's crazy oh, to man. see memes evolve and along your actual lifetime line um truly though yeah there's gonna be college courses about memes one day i, I bet there better be yeah um so but yeah our nameless narrator he's approaching this uh house and it's the house of usher and it belongs to a childhood friend oh sorry i just i just put two and two together that's why the story is called the fall of the house of usher that makes so much sense now i was like oh so the house is called usher and just coincidentally that's the name of the story too oh but now it makes sense i thought that that was so weird i'm glad that we already got that cleared up i'm also glad that this is i'm also glad that this is the second time i've broken into you reading and you're not even a sentence and a half in (laughs) no i'm glad we're making some revelations uh yeah me too that's good that's good (laughs) see see that's my that's my favorite thing about doing this podcast is i learn along with any potential listener oh yeah oh yeah um this is a we're educating um are we good at it uh, maybe mm, yeah it depends on how stupid you are <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no no one that would go out of their way to listen to this would be stupid i guarantee it yeah we only have smart audiences back home yep yep yep, yep. yeah so the house um along with the trees around it the vegetation it's uh it's like rotting this is like a almost like a cesspool and this house has like windows that just look like eyes and just have a very uh scary look to them um i immediately picture the world famous amityville horror house based on the real case um even though the ghost story about that is complete garbage if you look it up you'll learn that ed and lorraine warren were complete hacks but one of the most interesting things about that house that make it so distinct are the circular eye-like windows that just give it like that haunting personality all on its own even though it's a completely incorporeal thing or whatever yeah, we're always trying to so, put faces onto things, you know? Yeah, yep. Uh, so that's what I really liked when I went through this story myself right away. I took note of the eye-shaped windows on the house, because it is just particularly haunting, mm-hmm. somewhat. Yeah, exactly. It's fun. It's spooky. Oh, yeah. So his childhood friend, and he goes by the name of Roderick Usher... Uh, it's the house of usher roderick usher there you go and he's uh mr usher roderick he's been uh struggling with some mental disorder lately he's not feeling well his uh mental state of mind is not stable 
and he has requested the narrator's presence. He's like, "Come on over. I'm having a good. Uh, I'm I'm not having a good time." Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so the narrator, he's gonna come over and cheer him up. Uh, good guy, you know. Good guy, you know. Oh, uh, this honestly. Is, yep. Back in the day, I'm sure this guy would have been exiled, but here comes our nameless narrator, and he's gonna <laughs> cheer him up. So, uh, Mr. Usher, he's uh, very introverted and comes from an ancient bloodline. Uh, but this is the interesting part uh, only one member of the family survives from generation to generation. So, basically, like if there's a whole family whatever only one member of that family is going to survive and carry on the seed and right now it's just the Mr. Usher and his sister um so yeah and it it's kind of implied that it stays in the family like the bloodline Ugh. is um uh pure i guess um so, but it's never really confirmed, but a lot of critics say that, yeah, this is a case of an incest, a family that just gets a little too down with the incest. Ah. Uh, yep. Uh. <laughs> just can't get away from it. Um, yep. And so as the narrator gets closer to the house of Usher, he notices a pond in front of it. And he says that this pond is, quote, like, that it has, like, this, um, like, gas above it, this fog above it. And he says, quote, it was pestilent and a mystic vapor. So, like, I thought that was pretty interesting to put the pestilence in there. Like, this is, like, a plague-like gas. Um, uh, I gotta say, too, <laughs> pestilence is probably my favorite one of the four horsemen of the apocalypse of course them being war famine death and pestilence yeah I like pestilence the best isn't it that's the equivalent to like a plague right yeah i believe a pestilence is yeah just a whole other well, word for it's probably like yeah like how uh well yeah i'm pretty sure it's just the same exact thing like a plague with a very large mortality rate oh yeah like the black plague yep so um (laughs) the narrator he's he he sees this fog and he's like ew covid i'm gonna go around it um good call (laughs) yep a little bit of a covid19 callback you know uh so yeah there's like fun fungi fungi around the exterior of this house and the stone is starting to crumble or actually it was like the plaster the plaster was starting to crumble and everything it's like the minute details like the structure seems to be okay but it's just like the small details around it is starting to fall apart and although the house is like intact there's a crack at the st- at the very top of the roof and it leads to the pond which is in front of the house so like there's this crack that's just leading down the whole house and so once he enters the house it, it's like very dark like just imagine very musty antique looks like nothing's been touched 
getting some very gothic like I, I, I don't know why but like every time i think of these houses i think of like something from scooby-doo like i feel like oh it's the perfect <laughs> mental image honestly no yeah. joke cobwebs on everything um i can't remember how the well i can't remember how he specifically wrote it out too but another description i loved was that he said that all the furniture was like devoid of comfort or anything like that yeah like it just looks like it belongs in a museum pretty much yep. um but yeah like <laughs> yeah i'm gonna say right here without edgar Allan poe we would not have scooby-doo probably uh, true yep so um that'd be just a terrible world um i and, love scooby-doo yeah it's good especially those james gunn movies those were good so he goes through like this really long hallway and he sees Roderick Usher and he's he's not looking too good he uh describes his face as uh he says it has the countenance of a cadaver <sighs> so there we go countenance is uh in this a couple times um but basically it's just saying yeah he looks like he's wearing like the expression of a dead person on his face like there's no life in his face I believe that countenance has been used multiple times in every story ever since way back when we covered Mary Shelley's Frankenstein. Yeah, uh, every single I learned one. the word. Yeah, I learned the word in that book, and then in Doctor Jekyll and Mister Hyde, they talk about Mister Hyde's strange countenance, and then uh, I'm sure that word was used in Turn of the Screw. It's just kind of hard to remember because that whole book is kind of hard to remember. Uh, and now here we are. Yeah. the the countenance like that of a corpse oh yeah yep Roderick he which is Mr. Usher he struggles to like speak with a with like a coherent cadence like he's talking like this and he's talking really fast and then he's like and then I'm talking like this and I can't finish my sentence um, and he's just talking very weird and he seems to be afraid of the house and he's like on edge he's looking around and he's kind of like uh uh Saul's brother and better call Saul like he does not like the sunlight he is covering himself in tinfoil not literally but he's just like covered every window and all the blinds are closed and light is just the moonlight is just barely peering through uh, this house. So he is afraid that once his sister dies, he's going to be the last remaining usher of his bloodline. So he's the last one. Um, and his sister is not in a good condition at this point. Um, and as he says, says this, Madeline Usher, his sister, appears in like momentarily in a like a room that's across from them like she just like like a horror movie like just walks across the room oh. and and you get like the big dong and uh that's it like she just <laughs> makes her way across there and uh it's very creepy doesn't say anything doesn't really um like acknowledge the presence of the narrator um and yeah the narrator's like oh god damn <laughs> like that's mm -hmm. one uh sick lady uh but oh god 
Yep, and so she has this disease which has confused her doctors. Like, they don't know what it is, but um, in modern terms, uh, it, it would be close to what's called catalepsy, where uh, one's limbs is just like, it, it just is paralyzed in the last position you had it. So, like, if you were um, sitting on the toilet and um one of your legs just goes out and you stand up well now your leg is permanently like that you know it's just bent over and um i i don't know the exact position uh her limbs are in but it's the same thing like her what some of her limbs are just stuck in place very frightening yep uh very spooky and and like i said like the narrator seems to be a good guy and has a good intentions to cheer up his old childhood friends. So for the next few days, Roderick and the narrator, they're just like, oh, we're just going to ignore our, the sister oh, yeah. because she's really creepy. <laughs> I was literally just going to say, all right, buddy, first things first, if we're going to cheer you up, we got to do something about that sister of yours. <laughs> yeah, maybe lock her away. <laughs> <laughs> Um, Bye. Yep. I, I just don't. We're supposed to have good vibes here, and she's just giving us a lot of bad vibes. Uh, <laughs> I want. I want to paint with you. I want to play guitar with you, but I can't do that with your sister just uh, <laughs> staring at me. <laughs> um, so yeah, the narrator does this. He's like, Roderick, you know, you're feeling down the dumps. Let's paint some. Uh, well, let's paint some canvases. Let's do some reading. And uh, and the narrator, he has to listen to Roderick play the guitar, which I'm sure was just terrible. Um, like, this is a very not stable person, and uh, he's just playing the guitar. Maybe it's like the equivalent of like Charles Manson's uh, record. But uh, he... He just can't cheer up Roderick. Um, even after being a one-man audience for his uh, little concert. Um, and after some time, Roderick suggests that maybe, you know, just maybe, uh, this house is the reason why I'm so depressed. Like, I could use a good cleaning. <laughs> um, the, the, the rain that's seeping through this damn crack is getting kind of old. Um, and after 10 years, I think it's about damn time we clean this sucker up. Um, so, um, a few days later, Roderick's sister dies. And he, he's like, you know what? I don't trust doctors. Um, so we're, we got to do the burial process ourselves um, because <laughs> these doctors, they're going to do some grave robbing, which was, you know, a legit fear back in the day because physicians, kind of like in Frankenstein, would use cadavers to um, study uh, science. But yeah, there was this fear that doctors were digging up bodies. So Roderick's like, you know, my sister's got this condition and they're going to want to try to figure it out. And I want to, you know, just keep her in my house. Is that that weird? Is that weird? <laughs> um, Roderick doesn't think so. So he says, you know, let's just preserve her corpse in the vaults below the house. Like, uh, what, what could go wrong? To be fair, 
I got an awesome cask of Amontillado down there. If you just want to follow me all the way through the serpentine tunnels, it's going to be about five miles of walking. It'll be really hard to breathe, but once we get to the end, we can we can wall my sister up and get to that wine, buddy. Well, shit, say less. Say less. Mm. That's what I say. Uh, yeah, so while we're burying my sister, um, yeah, let's do it over some Amontillado. Um, <sighs> Yep, so they place her in a tomb in these vaults. It's basically like the basement of this house, like this uh, underground vault. And the narrator notices as uh, she's lying in the tomb that they are twins. They look very similar. Um, and he also notices that um, she's got a little bit of red in her cheeks. Um, oh yeah and it's like right as they're closing the lid so he's like huh. <laughs> like there's sure little nothing bit. yeah uh, i just noticed something but uh roderick sorry like screwing down the screws on this sucker so um <laughs> seems very, honestly uh, those screws are a real bitch to get out yeah <laughs> i yeah the 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 damn uh drills in the day didn't have reverse on it so um but yeah, so like as they're putting it down, he notices that, huh, there's a little bit of sign of life here. Maybe Roderick knows this, but um, I guess we're pressing. Uh, he's a finisher, you know? Um, yep. And so over the next few days, Roderick, he's really starting to lose it. He seems to be listening to imagined sounds, like he's just chilling in his chair. And he's like looking to the left, looking up, as if there's sounds coming from the house. Um, and so the narrator, is, he's been in this house for quite some time. And it's a little bit of a crazy house, you could say. Um, and he's starting to lose his sanity as well. And he can't sleep. So one night, as he lies in bed, he hears a moan. Uh, but you can't really tell where it's coming from. Um... Uh, and so out of nowhere, Roderick, he just busts into his room and he throws open the curtains on the window. He's like, check this out, unnamed narrator. Um, and he points out uh, that the pond in front of his house is like glowing and like the, there's the fog above it that has the pestilence vibe is glowing. And uh, the narrator is like, you know what, this can be explained by uh, this new thing. We got it, uh, and it's called electricity, you know? Uh, it's pretty new. We don't know much about it, but, yeah, that green glow in the fog there, uh, it's just electricity. Nothing to worry about. Totally normal, <laughs> but it's Nothing not. Nothing but a little bit of a wild electro current, my friend. <laughs> yeah. Listen, <laughs> I studied the alternating current, um, and I did not understand it, but that is what <laughs> you got here. Uh, don't move too quick. You don't want to startle it. Yeah. And don't cause any static. Well, what the hell static? Uh, <laughs> um, yes, sir. Okay. Um, and he's like, you know what? This is just a bunch of electric uh, electricity. Uh, let's go read a romance novel. Um, but I, I think a, ro there. a romance novel was a little bit different back in the day. Maybe more of a he hero story, a heroic story. And so he starts to read this story about a knight 
and um, this night he's he finds this door and he starts pounding it down with a mace. He's just like, let me in, let me in. And as he tells this part of the story, he thinks he hears some pounding on like some type of uh, surface. Uh, he's oh. like, uh, you know, just like our um, our governess. He ignores it. Um, and he's like, oh, nothing to see here. Nothing to hear here. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and he continues the story. And in it, this night, he discovers this dragon that's like protecting some gold and he smashes its head in and as he reads this part he knows for sure he hears this scream just like the dragon lets out in the story he hears this very audible scream uh in the house (laughs) um yeah so this story is like it's kind of like scary stories to tell in the dark where uh everything that's happening in the book is coming true um, not a very good movie. Not a very good movie. I like I liked the book, the original book. Oh, cool um, books! Yeah, oh yeah. I I love the costume design and. Uh, oh, the, I agree with that. Yeah, the overall aesthetic, but um, yeah, it, it was just average, just average. A little in, bit of a wet mind. fart. Yeah, as he's uh, once he's done reading this part and he hears the scream, he just notices that Roderick is uh. Maybe just a little bit tired, but he's just kind of slumped over in his chair. And he looks like he's sleeping, but he looks at his eyes and he's actually, like, wide awake. Oh, my God. Uh, Yep, so it's very weird. And uh, Roderick just starts to laugh and laugh and laugh. And he's he's like, oh, so now you hear those noises. I've been hearing those noises for quite some time. (laughs) And... uh, He's like, you know, um, I've heard noises that come from the vaults, from, like, the tomb downstairs. I've been hearing my sister's heart beating, and oh my god, she is right behind the door. And the wind comes in, and it gusts, and it's very strong, and it opens the door, and right behind it is Roderick's sister with blood on her robes, and she's not looking too good. She hasn't had a meal in weeks, damn it. Um, and she is, uh, she's out for revenge. So she, yeah, she got out, though. <laughs> she did. She go, you go, girl. That's why I say, um, don't don't let the um, the patriarchy lock you up. All right. Um, and she doesn't let that happen, and she basically runs after her brother, but she basically falls onto him, and just, like, tries to attack him, and the Roderick just kind of dies out of fear, and she also dies from exhaustion, from, like, oh my God. scaring the shit out of him. And the narrator's like, you know... <laughs> I, this is what I get for being such a good friend and uh, <laughs> he's like I need to get the fuck out of here and he runs out of the house and uh, he looks back and in the bright moonlight he sees the house of Usher split in two from the crack that was aforementioned and uh, yeah the house just collapses into the lake that has this mystic vapor above it and that is the end. That is the fall of the House of Usher. So creepy. 
very creepy, but it's kind of, I don't know, like, like I just find something so funny in all of uh, Poe's stories. Like, like I don't know. It, it is very creepy, but just this story is just like this guy trying to cheer up his friend, and there's just <laughs> all this creepy stuff happening around him, and then finally it's just too much. And he's like, all right, you know, I got to go let the dogs out. Um, yeah, seriously. Yeah, but I, yeah, I, I do think that there's some like incestuous uh, relationship there or within that bloodline because uh, they're both like not stable. It, it just reminds me of um, like some documentaries you see about like incest families in the South and they're all suffering from like mental, um, you know, like they're all suffering mentally and they're just living in not in good conditions i get a lot of that and right yep so that's that's my take on this story but it's um you know it just really shows that family is first um don't don't go locking up your family in a tomb oh my god uh, yeah that's, that's why such I got a this story that's such a perfectly creepy little detail to mention the color in her cheeks as they're closing the casket up. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my god. Like, which I guess could be, I, I guess is common sometimes, but like here it seems to be a hint. Like they're even like, you know, that is kind of normal, but it is definitely a hint that there's some, there is some life to this um, Madeline Usher, so very spooky uh well i've i've uh hogged the stage too much lucas um uh, please please uh tell me the story of the telltale heart if um if if you got it or if you don't have anything else to say about the house of usher um before we get into it i gotta say that uh, as I mentioned, I did not mean to pick such a well-known post story. I thought it'd be kind of cool that if someone was going to listen to this, they would at least learn something new. I'd never heard of the Black Cat before picking that story last week, and my uh, original idea was, even though last week's episode turned out to be a real chunker, I originally pictured myself picking two short stories which I'm glad I didn't at this point but I was going to cover the black cat and a story of his called the man that was used up which is a super weird story about this dude that he's in the military and he's got like a fixation with this guy named um what was it like brigadier brevet general john abc smith or something <laughs> and every time every time he's talked about his entire name is written out like that um and the narrator of that story is literally the whole story is him trying to figure out this guy's secret because the guy's so perfect he's got an amazing voice and he's got such a you know um such a wonderful crop of hair and such big strong arms and everything which uh is actually something that i've noticed in a few post stories as we've read is he does not mind fixating on 
a good masculine figure, and I can appreciate that, honestly. But anyway, getting back to it. Um, that whole story is just the narrator going from person to person saying, what's this guy's secret? <laughs> and then at the last second, the person gets cut off and he's like, drat, guess I got to go ask someone else. And it's like 10 pages of that until he finally goes to the general's house himself. And he's standing in the guy's room and there's a bag sitting on the ground and he kicks it. And he hears this high-pitched voice coming out of it. That's like, hey, man, what the heck did you just kick me for? And he finds out that the general was inside the bag. And he had a servant, like, screw on each one of his body parts bit by bit. Because as it had turned out, the man was, like, completely mutilated in a war. So he was literally the man that was used up and his servant comes in and screws on each one of his legs and puts his tongue in for him because in the story the uh he was in the um indian war i guess it'd be called and like he had his like seven eighths of his tongue cut out and stuff like that and he has like a wig and everything like that and that was just such a strange story and i encountered the same thing this week where my original intent was to cover a story called the assignation, which I'd never heard that word before, and it means like a meeting. And once again, I got through it, and it's like this guy mans a fairy, and then he sees a kid fall into the water, and then once again, Poe talks about this like beautiful man that jumps in and saves the child at the last second. And then the kid's mom says to the guy, hey, meet me at one hour after four tomorrow or something. She says, like, some really weird phrase. And so the narrator and the man that saved the kid go to his place, and they're just having a good time drinking. And then the servant comes in and says, oh, my God, your wife has been poisoned. And then the dude in that story gets poisoned, too, and then it's just the end. And I was like, okay, so I didn't understand any of that. <laughs> So I ended up picking the Telltale Heart at the last minute because it's actually digestible. And as I'll mention a thousand times, there are a lot of very good parallels between this story and the one I picked last week completely unintentionally. Oh, yeah. Um, There's a lot of so, reoccurring uh, themes in this book or in, it's like, in this it's, uh, it's guy's like, head. It's like the same story twice. Was there anything you had to say before I got rocking and rolling here with the total hurt no i'm i'm ready i am ready Alrighty. once again like i mentioned our story starts very similarly to the black cat wherein an unnamed narrator tells us that he's about to tell us a story that's gonna make him sound like a little bit of a kook but he swears by his sanity um the main difference between this one and the last one being in the black cat the narrator's like i write this story the day before i'm to be executed for my heinous crimes but otherwise they're completely the same in the beginning of the black cat the guy says i'm about to tell a story that's going to make me sound crazy but i am entirely sane and it's literally like a mirror image hmm. he tells us that he's committed a grisly murder though not in the name of money or vendetta but rather the fear of his victims most standout feature a pale blue, milky eye. He 
sees this guy's eye and he just thinks that it is the embodiment of evil Ooh. and we'll we'll get to that a little bit more as i discuss visiting the man with the eye in his sleep regularly over time the narrator gets more and more comfortable creeping his way into the room inch by inch mostly through poking his head through the door and acting as if nothing was amiss come sunrise because he's like a servant for this guy or something so they're buddies and then every night the guy creeps into this guy's room creaks the door open just a little bit and pokes his head in and just watches him thinking about that heinous blue eye yeah what's wrong with the blue eye come on man honestly um and on the eighth day of our narrator um doing the same ritual every night he randomly decides that it's time to strike the night he used to do the deed our narrator does his usual business and cracks the door open slowly, saying that he was patient enough to take like an entire hour just to open the door as much as he did and peek his head in. So his patience can't be understated. It's very strange and once again, very creepy. Yeah. He alerts his sleeping victim to be, causing the man to let out a shriek of terror and silently stares at the man in the pitch-dark room for some time, Ugh. knowing that the man is aware of his presence. Uh. He... I remember reading this one back in the day, and that stood out to me so much was the victim-to-be knows that this guy's in the room, and the guy knows that he knows it. So, once again, patience of a saint. Well, not exactly a saint, I guess, but super patient. He just sits there and, like, waits for his moment to strike. Yeah. It's like uh, it's like Pennywise going in for uh, his new child meal, you know? He's uh, making the fear go all the way up, uh, just like Monsters, Inc. You know, you got your fear meter, and that's when Pennywise is going to eat you. Because uh, that's when he has a... That's when he thinks you're the most tasty, when you're very scared. I could see something like that, but not to get into, not to get off on too much of a tangent, but um, in some slaughterhouses, you know, they find that if the animal knows that they're about to be killed, they'll die all tense and stuff, and then the meat will be super tough. So there's something to think about. Yeah, you got happy pig, you got some happy pork chops in the fridge right now. Got to. Yep. After hearing what the narrator interprets as the man's heartbeat pounding louder by the second in obvious terror, he makes his move, pulling the man to the floor and smothering him with his mattress, listening for the beating of his heart to prove that the ghastly deed is done. Um, one detail I meant to mention too was the narrator has a lantern with him, and you must have been able to light the lantern and then just barely... Like, um, I remember hearing with the Jack the Ripper murders, the policemen had, like, lanterns that were kind of, um, lighthouse-like, where they could shoot the flame, uh, the flame's reflection in, like, one specific direction. Mm. So, I think our narrator's got the same thing here, because he talks about just barely cracking the, um, 
I don't know, face of the lantern open so that literally just a razor thin slit of light is over just this guy's eye that he notices. And once again, he's terrified of this eye. And even when the man is sleeping and he doesn't notice it specifically, he's like, well, I got no reason to kill him. I can't see the eye right now. So that's kind (laughs) of what I meant to mention was that that's kind of what makes him strike. Yeah, yeah, which is weird. Uh, it's like it's like um, it's like how a lot of people react to um, like a knee jerk re- with a they react with like a knee jerk reaction. Like I don't know, I just kind of get the same feeling here, where it's like I don't know what it is about this eye, but I hate it so much, I need to kill it. Dis- dismembering the body. This narrator acts the exact same way as. Um, actually both of our previous stories we covered where in the black cat, the narrator, that one walled his wife up behind the, uh, well behind like the cellar wall, um, after he'd actually considered dismembering her just like the narrator in this one does. I don't mean to make too much of a soup here, but I think the parallels are kind of interesting. So in the black cat, he walls up his wife's dead body behind the wall in your story, the cask of Amontillado, he walls the living man up behind the wall. Mm-hmm. But in this one, he dismembers the corpse and decides to uh, put them under the floorboards. Huh. I wonder. I wonder with Edgar Allan Poe's stories if there's like, if there's like a walled up edition, you know, where there's like, because we got the floorboards here, we got the base, and with our two stories, the Black Cat and Amontillado, we got two walls. I wonder what other three stories make up the other two walls and the ceiling. I wonder if there's any other oh. stories like that where it's just like Edgar Allan Poe made this uh, collection. Probably not, but he do- he just loves putting people in walls and floors, you know? We'll see... That's what I was just going to say is I hope that after Poe died, they like tore his apartment up just to see if he was hiding anything because it seemed like he maybe wanted to get something off his chest. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not a psychologist. (laughs) Once again, just like in the black cap, the police show up having been called on by a neighbor who'd heard the victim shriek in terror hours before um, when he originally found out that the narrator was creeping into his room and peeping on him. And just like in the black cat, the narrator lets him in cool and collected, completely satisfied with his job of hiding the body. And in another large similarity, the narrator even makes a show of hiding the body. Um, In the black cat, he taps his cane on the wall that his wife is hidden behind only for the second cat to shriek letting the police know that there's something behind the wall and in this one uh as he's showing the police around so confident that he completely cleaned everything up there isn't a drop of blood he says i'm not sure how you dismember a body without a drop of blood but i hope to never find out either honestly but i just can't imagine that um plastic wrap was easy easy to come by in these days i don't think that this guy had much of a dexter situation laid out Mm. Yeah, not don't a man know though, with honestly. A plan. I I honestly don't know. Um interesting too that 
to kill the guy. He pulls him off the bed and then pulls the mattress over him to suffocate him with the entire mattress. I thought that that was some particularly haunting imagery as well, honestly. That's a lot of effort. That is a lot yeah, it of is. effort. Yeah. Not just the pillow, the whole mattress. Yep. Wow. Um, And like I said, this narrator makes a show to the police of... Um, you know, he's like, I got away with this crime so well that I'm going to bring chairs into the room that this guy was murdered in. I'm going to sit them all down, and then we're all just going to sit right above the body and talk about the crime. Hmm. It's like uh, the narr- it, it, it's like uh, how modern-day serial killers just, like, revisit their crime scenes, and, you know, it's like a sense of power they have, they think they have yep. over the their f- victim. The first guy that comes to mind would be the son of Sam, David Berkowitz, for me personally. Um, He would shoot people randomly in the streets, and then hours later he would come back to the scene. Yep. Very, I mean, pretty kooky. Oh, yeah. The narrator tells the police that the man is away on a trip and feels confident in his crime until he begins to hear a low thump, exactly as he had heard when stalking his victim only hours before. Positive the police hear the same as him and are only dragging his agony out by playing ignorant of his crime until they decide to just pin the guy. The man breaks into hysterics as the beats grow louder and more rapid and he springs up and begins to dismantle the floor. Wow. And that's the telltale heart. So what do you think was under the the floor the whole time? The cat. Uh, or wait. Oh my god, so many parallels. <laughs> I got both of the stories completely mixed up. Oh my god. Okay, can I start that one from the top? Yeah. Um yeah. Literally almost the same exact story. Only I got to say I like this one a lot more better. Um I think the black cat was 12 pages and this one was only six. As you could tell, it took me like five minutes to read the whole summary off. But, um, I really enjoyed this one. I enjoyed both of our stories this week. I'm reading these and listening to them as I sit in my, you know, dark house. It's one thirty in the morning here. And I was getting some very legit shivers running down my spine, especially listening to your story. Yeah, yeah, both of them, I mean, obviously Telltale Heart, that's just one I'm going to remember forever, but it is fun to, like, go over it again. As I'm more mature, my brain is more uh, developed, you know, I'm not, I'm not thinking about playing Skyrim after school, I'm thinking about, oh, Uh... what, what, what book am I going to read after work today? What what kind of tea am I going to uh, make mm, in this Earl morning? Earl Grey, uh, every time. So, did you have any particular things you wanted to talk about with Edgar Allan Poe? Either of our stories, or any parallels? Once again, I'm kind of, uh, I'm kind of obsessed with the fact that um, like 80% of the Black Cat and the Telltale Heart is like copy and paste. Yeah, they're pretty similar. Um, I, they both deal with um, 
One is like a critique on being an alcoholic, which I thought was really interesting with the black cat. Probably the best one. Well, I haven't read many critiques or anything that was that hyper-focused on that. But uh, that one was very interesting because obviously Mr. Poe, dealt with some his own dealt with his own demons when it came to drinking so um i think telltale heart is uh more interesting because it just shows if you let your imagination run run wild um and you know come up with all these crazy conspiracies of like oh this man looks crazy he must be evil i must destroy him uh yeah i think that is interesting but in the end uh, guess what? This guy that committed such a heinous crime, he regrets it. So uh, just treat each other with Maybe. respect. Uh, yeah. <laughs> well, his uh, his fear comes back to haunt him, and that's I guess, I guess that's more fitting. Uh, you know, like you know, just treat each other with respect. Dang it! And uh, just because someone's playing uh, some My Chemical Romance uh, on their Ooh. iPod uh, doesn't mean that they are looking to hurt people it's just they're a good band you know they're they're fun and uh just because a person's wearing all black doesn't mean that they uh want to hurt you most people that um you know embrace that lifestyle are some of the nicest people i've met so i just gotta say too famous last words by my chemical romance it's one of my favorite songs oh yeah um yep that whole album the black parade is very good black parade uh maybe maybe uh hell in us so long and good night is more fitting with some of our stories here uh coming from uh, who could forget it coming from that song so yeah um one thing that i actually did want to mention too was it's obviously easy enough to say in retrospect oh this is so obvious now but with a telltale heart, I did see, uh, it almost seems like something of a prototype for Raskolnikov in our almost one-year-old series, Crime and Punishment. Um, a completely, obviously unnecessary crime done by someone for a fact that they do not quite understand and the guilt eats them up, only... This is a six-page story, and that's like a 600-page story. Yeah. Um, you know, it, it, it's it's literally the the metaphor, or I guess the saying, where, um, you know, Edgar Allan, Edgar Allan Poe walks so um, uh, Fyodor Dostoevsky could literally run and expand on this theme for 400 pages <laughs> like very good that is that is a good similarity yeah because like a lot of these stories especially yours with the uh, black cat and the telltale heart it deals with um the these guys that really struggle with their actions cask of amontillado i don't <laughs> you know that guy was uh 
he just kind of locked him up. He's like, yeah, he's still down there 40 years later. Um, yeah, that guy was just mean. Yeah. Like, he, uh, the only, like, jerk. sense of regret he had was like, dang, this guy's not responding. I'm not getting any thrill out of this anymore. I'm going to go home. I'm going to go to bed. Yep. Uh, but- Man, I'm just not having a good day. <laughs> but with Telltale Heart and the Black Cat, yeah, that's, uh, yeah, that is similar to Rascal on the Cub. You see these heinous crimes being committed and uh you know e- even though they were so bad they definitely struggle with their their uh crimes they committed so yeah very very interesting and uh yeah Dostoevsky it'd be interesting to see how um just sit down with him and be like so how did uh, him and Edgar Allan Poe if they just like sat down together and just made a collaboration they would be like the avengers of the gothic world you know oh yeah yep um i've had a lot of fun doing these last two episodes um it's honestly so nice to just cover some nice like short stories it was fun going back and forth because as any regular listener would know we switch back and forth between the books so it's a month of me reading off and a month of you reading off so it's been a lot of fun just specifically going back and forth to the point where um i'm certain one day down the road if we well i mean i'll personally you know hope to take a bit of a breather between series again and so uh there will definitely be more parts of poe we're just putting these two out back to back but in the meantime um were you interested in announcing our next uh, book that I believe in the last episode you referred to as like uh, a gothic Goliath or something like that? Oh yeah, the um, the the big boy, the mother of all gothic horror. Uh, take well, take take five take five seconds to guess before Cole says it. All right, you guys think you got it? All right. Uh, Dial your answers in. All right, dun, really think dun, dun, hard about dun, it. Dun, 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 All right, dun, 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 uh, two, one. Uh, it is Dracula. Dracula. <sighs> yep, by Bram Stoker. Or is it? Stro- I tell you what, Stoker. No, it's Stoker. <laughs> and, and, and so in Germany, like, the S-T is pronounced like, sh- like you know, Stein. Oh, right. So I'm like, yep. is it Stoker or, like, Stoker? Uh, but, yeah, that's going to be our next uh, behemoth. It's a big one. It's a big one. Whatever. Oh, that's what you called it, a behemoth. Yeah, it's a, it's a big book. So, um, yeah, it's, it's a fun one, though. It's a. I, I don't really know much about the original story of Dracula at all. So just to dive head first without any like previous knowledge, oh, and just going good. off of like you know vampire basic knowledge like garlic and silver. It's like oh, sharp teeth, sharp teeth, holes in your neck. Um, yep. Basically nothing, and just diving into the story. It's it's pretty fun. So that will be our next, yes, it is next story. I've personally been chipping away at it over the last couple of weeks, and I am thoroughly enjoying it, but it is, like, very specific and kind of slow-going reading. I can only put about a chapter away a day, because it's, uh, 
Yeah, it's really good, but and it's much more digestible than some of the things we've covered. But yeah, it um, it's a real like slow burn. Mm-hmm. I'm yeah. over halfway done with it, and it feels like it's just now getting to maybe not the crux because I have enjoyed everything I've read so far. But I'm like whatever 250 pages into it right now and it's just starting to get juicy and it's like all right i enjoy that we drug this out so much but uh <laughs> couldn't you give me a little more up front buddy yeah yep we'll be sinking our teeth into that sucker uh, oh <laughs> yeah. i look forward to him yep same so you know where we'll be at next week we'll be on your favorite podcast platform so catch us there Uh, same time same place yeah you heard it here Uh, yeah thanks for listening and have a very nice week bye You call me. Of course. You know. Oh, yeah. I can always do nothing with it. <laughs>